we go. I'm a nerd, and uh, I'm pretty proud of it. I fight for the users. The CPU is a neural net processor, a learning computer. Welcome, everybody, to another Tech to You Tuesday. Thank you all for being here. And for anybody watching on Rad TV, uh, I have some fun stuff to go over with you today. Today, we have our uh, guest again, Jeff Heatherly, who, for anybody new listening on the radio, um, you have maybe not seen Jeff if you don't have Rad TV. And if you don't, you should get it. Nobody on the radio has seen this, Jeff. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Jeff is the, I do a little introduction for anybody who doesn't know you yet. Uh, actually, why don't you do the introduction? Sure, sure. Yeah. I'm the, I'm the customer service manager here at Tech2U as well as the head of our dispatching team. So if you call in Tech2U for help or assistance, you're going to be talking to me or one of my guys. And so Jeff, uh, obviously dealing with the dispatch team, um, is dealing with a ton of uh, first uh, interactions with customers. So they call us and uh, you're on the front lines talking to people who are calling in for, for services for whatever it may be. Right. But what we're going to be talking a lot about this week is scams. We're going to go over new scams, some ones that have affected uh, those closest to me and myself very recently, mm -hmm. uh, even in the last few days. Bef actually, after I wrote today's show, I wrote today's show last week and um, over the weekend, mm -hmm. I experienced some of these things. So we'll go through those and... Um, the reason I bring up Jeff being on the front lines is you're one of the people who gets those uh, calls of like, hey, I've been working with this tech support company for the last you know week, month, year, years. And In some cases, yeah. They haven't talked to me anymore. They won't answer my calls or whatever it is. And I've stopped paying them because it started to feel bad. And we find out like, oh my gosh, you've been getting scammed yesterday for $100, over the last week for $500, over the last you know, series of years for thousands, tens of thousands of dollars in right. some cases. And those are common like tech support scams. So what we're going to do today is we're going to highlight some of the scams that you might not already know exist. And that's probably one of the um, biggest things I want to do is highlight for you the areas that you may not realize that you're vulnerable, even those that have been listening to the show a lot. I've got some new ones to talk about today that were new to me. Um, mm -hmm. And so anyway, I started out with a, a couple of things. I got an email uh, from uh, Kelly in Utah. And uh, she says, so I got this text message from this some somecompany.com. I won't reveal it. Uh, it was like a buy now, pay later thing uh, with an authorization code in the message. And it gives me a customer service number. It almost looks legit. Um, she provided a screenshot of the message for me. And uh, long story short, this was an unprompted message that she'd received about like, hey, you got to finish doing this thing or you got to you know use this two-factor code to finish setting up your account for this thing that you paid for. You're not going to get it. There's a ton of um, combinations of how this text might get to her or to anybody. Uh, in, in her case, it was you didn't finish signing up for or, you know, you got to finish doing this for this order that you placed recently, but it's vague. And it feels like, oh, yeah, I just placed an order on Amazon yesterday. That must be what this is about. Or, oh, yeah, there's that package that never got delivered to me last month. That's probably what this is about. And, and often enough, it strikes something with a lot of us that's like, oh, that's probably what this is. Like, we just make sense of something that's happened recently. Yeah, we fell in the gaps. So in, in her case, uh, she was asking, like, you know, actually, she wasn't asking anything. She had identified on her own before even messaging me. I found out 
by the phone number that they wanted me to call, this is a phishing scam. And the way it works is they basically give you this very vague text that says, something's up, you gotta give us a call. You, you make this internal uh, idea that it's legitimate based on the way it's worded or something that's happened with you recently. And then you call them and they get information from you in some way right. or another. Ideally, for them, they get you to pay them something, but maybe they just gather information. Either way, uh, if you get a text that's unprompted, this is a good way to start this whole segment today, um, don't call the number on it. Right. You know, if you don't really know why you're getting this, if you can't say definitively that the person who texts you or company that texts you is legitimate, if you don't know for certain, then don't follow the instructions in that message. Right. And if you're like, but wait, what if I don't follow? Then I won't get my package. Then I won't get my refund. Then I won't, then I'll get a fine or whatever it is. If you feel that level of unease about not doing something, I can relieve your burden. Call us. Call tech to you. You go to techtoyou.com, call whatever local number you have there, call, call our 888 number. You'll get Jeff or one of our other dispatchers and just tell us what you're dealing with. I can't tell you how many times we just answer the phone and say, yep, that's a scam. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. Or we might say, eh, it's on the fence. Why do you think it's legitimate? Let's, let's talk it through and then we'll help you identify. We do this for free. Yeah, oftentimes we'll have you talk with one of our guys who can get connected to your computer through the internet and take a look at whatever message it is that you're receiving and help you determine whether or not it is a scam. And if it is a scam and you haven't called them and you haven't followed their instructions, then we just tell you, yep, delete that email. And that's it. We don't, there's no cost for anything like that. If it turns out that they have had the opportunity to take some action to take advantage of you, then we can help you with that. Right. But, uh, but yeah, avail yourself of us. We would like to help you. As much as this hinders our business, call us before you make right, a mistake right. yeah. and have to pay us mm -hmm. for help. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, I, it's, it's, I'd much rather have people call us and say, can you help me figure this out? Because, you know, if anything, from a business perspective, chances are you're probably going to call us again next time. We can hopefully sure, extend yeah, you yeah, some yeah, goodwill yeah. And, and, and you'll want to use this again, right? So it's to our mutual benefit to, for you to reach out to us. Um, there was another question that had come in shortly after that uh, from Brandon. Brandon said, I had previously, or Ian had previously mentioned a website or a program for generating passwords. I, I was hoping to be reminded that was LastPass is the one that I recommend. Mm -hmm. um, there are others out there. It's not like a firm recommendation for me. It's not an end-all be-all. It's just the one that I like. One password is another really uh, popular one, and there's a handful of others that are, that are equally as popular. Um, and I, 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 I'm not married to any of them. I use LastPass. I like it. It works well for me. Um, and if you have questions, you can, you know, feel free to email uh, the show. I'm happy to answer those. So we're going to jump into some scams. Um, mm. The first one, the reason this actually got to have a segment of its own today was because of an FBI uh, a public announcement that, mm -hmm. that had just been, it came out in the last week. Um, and the, the, actu the, the actual words from this article, the FBI is warning the public about scammers instructing victims, many of whom are senior citizens, to liquidate their assets into cash and or buy gold, silver, or other precious metals to protect their funds. The FBI said uh, that criminals are then arrange for couriers, so UPS, FedEx, et cetera, to meet victims in person to pick up the cash or precious metals. How do we get there? Okay, so there's a lot of ways that a scammer convinces somebody to pay them. Right. We'll go through a couple of those, but the tech support scams are one of the biggest ones. Um, <clears throat> you get a, 
uh, email from Microsoft or a, a virus pop up on your computer. Like, hey, this is Microsoft. Call this number. Sure. You got a problem. You call them. They scam you into thinking you have a problem that you don't. They connect remotely to your computer. They, they convince you to pay them. Um, but, but there's so many other ways that people are convinced to pay someone over the phone. For Just a account. note, though. You, Microsoft will never put a message on your computer telling you there's a problem with your computer and that you need to call them. That's the second. The second part is the most important part. Microsoft might tell you there's something bugged out. But they won't tell you to call them. Definitely never going to tell you. That's the last thing that they want. And they really don't even offer that kind of support they don't, most they of the don't time. They don't have people to answer the phone. Not for and, that kind of thing. And they also don't care that much. No, they don't. They're, like, you know, they really, the, they really, like, nobody's going to, no computer company is going to call you and tell you you've got a problem. None of them care that much about you. <laughs> Except for us. <laughs> uh, yeah, but computer manufacturers um, and, and even like antivirus companies, they don't want you to call them. If you've right. got like McAfee on your computer and it says, call us so we can fix this. That's the last thing they want to do is expend resources on the phone. So it's right. if you get the phone call. thing. So anyway, you've been convinced or someone, your mom, your dad, your grandma, your grandpa has been convinced. Now you need to send money. So w the reason this uh, got enough attention that the FBI decided to release a public announcement is that there have been so many, especially senior citizens, putting uh, their gold or silver, which is something that a lot of people do. It was, it's been very popular generationally. You know, like my, my, my grandfather's generation hoarded gold and silver. And it's not just... Because he was a dragon and he lived in a cave. <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 exactly. There was dwarves trying to get him out constantly. It was a problem. Um, but he, uh, he, was the, you know, he was the type of person to have some level of gold and silver. But there was a lot of people of his generation who did the same thing. And, and even just different investors. Anyway, people have precious metals. And the thing that makes it feel so much more legitimate than like, going to the post office with a bunch of gold and the post office, you know, per the person at UPS, like, what are you doing? Just a heads up, you might be getting scammed is they just send FedEx or UPS to your house. You have to have the box ready and then they come out and they pick it up and they put a label on it and they, it's an actual UPS truck and they're delivering it, you know, to the scammer. Um, it makes the whole thing. Is, feel but like, is it actually a UPS employee or is oh, it yeah. just somebody who's made it look like no that. totally it's it's a ups employee all all that's happened is the scammer has contracted ups to go out and pick up a package from a, a person's home which I, I can do i can i can for ease let's say you've got something at your house that i want shipped to me i can say hey don't oh, worry I about do. it i'm sure you've got plenty of things um i so we're, i'm going to send ups over just put just put it in a box for me they'll put the label on it you don't need to do anything I'll, I'll take it from here you can do that and that's that's all that they're that's all that they're doing but it feels more legitimate to the person who's being scammed it's it's one less area for them to have their suspicions perked up sure right? sure so um let's go through some of these these scams so, so first off um, if somebody's asking you to put gold and silver or any precious metals inside of a box and send it to them as payment, there is no legitimate reason for that. Right. That, so that, that's a scam. Um, but some of the ones that have been getting uh, more popular this year, and, and one in particular we'll go over in a minute here, uh, are, are, are concerning. So uh, one that actually just happened to my wife Last week, uh, she called me in the middle of a work day, which is unusual. We usually text each other. It's usually if she calls, something's up. So she calls me and she's like, hey, I got this guy on the phone. He says he's from the Department of Homeland Security. Mm -hmm. And you remember how we got that package from Costco like six months ago with like Rogaine in it or whatever? Okay, so first off, I promise 
I didn't order Rogaine. Hey, hey, man, minoxidil works. I, it was minoxidil. I've, I've, I've accepted my baldness. Mm. Um, I've moved on with you. My surrendered life. to it. I've. <laughs> surrendered to it um i'm still fighting a good fight <laughs> yeah keep it up you know i'm good yeah i've given up all right we'll do with that i have given up i'm not worthy um so anyway we get this package and, and it, it had a name on it we didn't recognize i tried calling costco because it said costco and they're like throw it away if, if it wasn't meant to you like don't ship it back just just yeah, please yeah, yeah, yeah. they said discard it and i was like well i'd like if i'm gonna throw it away i at least want to know what it is you're just gonna try it first too, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah right and um so yeah, I open it up and it's like Rogan. All right, whatever. We'll throw it, throw, throw it away. And um, and so this is this is months, maybe six months ago. So my wife gets this call. DHS says you have been receiving packages at your address, and they they rattle off our current home address, as well as your prior address that you lived at a couple years ago. Because she and I bought a new home in, okay, in yeah, June yeah, of a couple yeah. years ago. You've also been getting packages at that address. They've been coming from El Paso, Texas. There's a there's a, um, a, a ring of, of, of scammers who are sending in, or not, sorry, sorry uh, like drug delivery people, something like that, right. something scary. And, uh, and they've been sending in packages into El Paso and then out of El Paso into these other suburban areas throughout the country. And uh, we know that you've received these packages, but we also know that you didn't tell us. Mm-hmm. about it and it was that kind of moment and there where, was crack in the rogaine right yeah yeah it was that moment when her heart rate went up a little bit like wait it almost sounds like you're going to tell me i'm in trouble and so she did the right thing by just pausing for a moment she did confirm our prior address and our current address but those are public record people could find that sure sure um she did also confirm that she banks with the company that we bank with now that doesn't do much for them because there wasn't enough other information that they could get to really be of value. Right. It's not great, but it's not enough. Right. And, and once I heard how that happened, I was like, okay, I could kind of see, I could, I could see how you, that, that would not be obvious that this was a mm-hmm. scam yet at mm-hmm. that point. And uh, so she called me, I asked her some questions and I said, okay, it sounds fishy to me, but I'm not certain. And I said, tell them, I was like, if this is an actual agent of the Department of Homeland Security, tell them that your husband, who's a security researcher, it's not my actual job title, but it's enough to scare away somebody, is going to get on the line and they're going to merge the call. And the person says, okay, and then they hang up. And then we never hear from them again. Right. Right. So after looking up the phone number, the name that she gave, and kind of that situation a little bit more, it was very obvious what they were trying to do was fine us. They wanted to uh, say, well, you didn't turn in these packages or to tell any uh, federal uh, authorities that these packages had been delivered to your home. And then you did whatever you did with them, regardless of what that was. It's illegal. You, you've obstructed uh, evidence or whatever it is that they would have said at that point. But we can just, we, there's a fine. You can just pay it. We can, and then that way we don't have to go any further with it. So, you know, your, your heart rate's up. You're scared. Right, right. You're, so you're afraid in this moment. I've committed a crime. I didn't, uh, uh, of course the right thing would have been to notify authorities is what we might think. Right. right. That, well, at least that's what they're leading you to think. That's what they're hoping for. So... Uh, if you get a call from the Department of Homeland Security, it's a scam. It's not like it's probably a scam. It's a scam because any federal authority will either knock on your door with a badge or they're going to send you a letter in the mail. And in the event that the DHS is actually concerned that you have received a package that was of concern, the first thing they do is send you a letter to that address. Typically, it's also going to be certified mail. Mm. And and then from there they'll provide contact information that makes you know uh, makes it uh, possible for you to verify the legitimacy 
of the organization that you're going to talk to. But again, if you even get that and you're not sure, call us. We can help you identify. <laughs> yeah. Look at the phone number that on, is on the DHS website. Doesn't match the phone number in this letter you just got in the mail. Call the number on the website, right? Stuff like that. So uh, anyway, that's a common one. Look out for those. And any inbound call. God, I don't even answer the phone anymore. Like, <laughs> if it's not a phone number that I recognize or I'm like, wh- like we're, we're going through... Um, registering our son for a new school for his upcoming year. He's changing school right. because of his grade mm-hmm. level. Hey, I'm going to maybe be a little bit more like I'll look out for the district name in my phone. You know, like something like that is, m- makes it a little bit more likely I'll answer the phone. But otherwise, I don't freaking answer it. Um, so, I always answer the phone. Yeah, I can't. I can't do it. Uh, I pick it up, though, because the caller ID says scam likely. And I pick it up and I go, hi, scam likely. And then they don't talk to me. <laughs> Um, so another one that's, that's really popular, we kind of touched on this, is calls from the IRS. This is a really big one this time of year. Right. All the way from now through like the end of, excuse me, through the end of April, uh, it's the tax penalty stuff. Sure. Taxes are on the top of our minds. Something that we all are nervous about is that we'd screw up our taxes, that we right. used QuickBooks online and it didn't do it right, that our tax guy missed something, that we have some unexpected amount due and you get a phone call and they know just enough about you to verify that they're legit. I mean, they're not, right? But they're, right. But it makes it feel legitimate. They say things like, um, this is your name. This is your address. This is the email that you use to file your taxes this sure. year. And, and it's not hard to gather this stuff. Sometimes they can go as far as rattling off your social security number um, or, or other very private information, maybe even the amount that you filed in your tax return because they got access to your email account, right? So there's, there's, there's a lot of things that these people can get. Um, and, and obviously you need to be careful about revealing any information over the phone. So the point is that if somebody calls you, especially if they say they're the IRS or somebody right. else, um, I, d- let them know that you don't feel comfortable having a conversation or you call back the number that's on the homepage of their website and any real authority will say that makes perfect sense. We encourage you to do exactly what you've just said. And anybody who's trying to scam you will uh, attempt to get you to call some other number. Right. They might even say, well, when you go to the website, uh, click on this link, this link, this link, and then go here and then call that number. Don't do that. Right. Whatever number is the most obvious for you as the person who's looking for it, that's the number you, you call. Yeah. Um, make sure you're actually on the government website. Yeah, that's a .gov. If it says .gov, you're usually in good good shape. Yeah, you don't want to. You should never be on a government website that ends with .com or .org or anything but .gov. Yeah, CaliforniaGovernment.com.au is not a real website, right? So right. Ends in well, yeah, and there .gov. are there are plenty of. They're not the kind of website you mean to go to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so another one that is really popular right now <clears throat> uh, is because the technology is advancing is the AI celebrity, you know, deep fakes. Yep. Deep fakes are the ones that like most people know the name now because the name deep fake has been around before this like AI revolution that sure. we're yeah, experiencing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's really what it is, is, is mostly a deep fake, but it, with a combination of um, AI tools they become incredibly convincing. So let's talk about <clears throat> one of the ones that is the most popular and highly successful, unfortunately, campaigns that these scammers run is uh, they pick a uh, celebrity. Mm-hmm. Let's just say they pick, uh, t- Taylor Taylor Swift is really popular in the news right now, right? So there's a lot of people who are a fan of, of, of Taylor Swift and they follow Taylor Swift fan Facebook groups and they look for Taylor Swift tickets uh, for sale in Facebook Marketplace and whatever. They, right. Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift, whatever. 
Now, as a business, uh, tech to you and any other business has the ability to advertise to groups of people. We can advertise to age groups, to demographics, to zip codes, to people who like certain things. As long as those portions of their profile are public, Facebook will allow us to market to those individuals. That's how right. Facebook marketing works. So I'm a scammer. I get on Facebook. I open a marketing scam mm -hmm. and I market to people who like Taylor Swift in some way or another. Sure, sure. My marketing is a video that shows up in their feed of Taylor Swift very convincingly telling them that she's giving away a certain dollar amount to the first 500 people who sign up and buy a certain dollar amount of her cryptocurrency. Sure. Basically, if you're convinced by that point, the rest of it is going to, you're screwed because the rest of it looks legitimate. You go to the website that they want. It sure. has a whole fake thing about crypto and how you invest and you'll make all this money and you've got this high probability and Taylor Swift wants you to do it. And then you, next thing you know, you've put in your credit card information to buy $10, quote unquote, of quote unquote crypto. Really, all you've done is you've given somebody 10 bucks for nothing, and chances are they're going to charge your card for way more than $10. Hey, hey, SwiftCoin is only going up. <laughs> SwiftCoin. Oh, man, I should have thought about that before this segment. I would have made a graphic. Like, here's the SwiftCoin. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be bad. Uh, but I'm guessing it exists uh, yeah, in I, a scam form. Yeah, I mean, there's no, I don't, there's no good reason to buy what celebrities tell you to buy anyway, because... Because why would they know? Uh, but. Yeah. Yeah. So celebrities generally aren't endorsing cryptocurrency products. Um, I'm not saying that it's never happened, but if you see it, it's... Unless, unless you think of Elon Musk as a celebrity, because he has right. uh, done that. There's a very popular YouTuber, popular amongst children mostly, but still very popular in the grand scheme, Mr. Beast. He's like known for giveaways. He's known to do things like just give people a Lamborghini. Like right. he's really done this. So he's somebody who there's a ton of deep fakes of because he's known for his generosity. Well, and he does absurd things. So if somebody right. was, if somebody's like, here's a video of Mr. Beast doing this thing and be like, yep, he's that up to like, his crazy nonsense again. Yeah, oh yeah, he put 25,000 Snickers in a pool and he's trying to swim in it. Like right. that's the crazy stuff. So there's almost no level of, of ridiculousness that um, seems far-fetched for this guy. But there's other YouTubers who kind of do the same thing, especially the ones who are trying to be up and coming. They're doing these very outlandish things. Like we're gonna give right. away this many hundreds of dollars to this many people. So um, when you see these things where it's like, ooh, opportunity, it's that emotional portion of your response, whether it's fear from the Department of Homeland Security calling you about a package that you threw away, or mm -hmm. it's excitement about the person that you're following on the internet that gets you to break the barrier of vulnerability and now now you you've elicited this emotion in a person that makes them significantly more vulnerable to attack or being scammed so generally speaking that's kind of the first thing that you're looking out for with these scams is is it making me feel scared is it making me feel excited is it am i feeling like i'm missing out on an opportunity by not buying this cryptocurrency. That's kind of the thing that you're, right. you're looking for first. Um, and again, if you're ever unsure, there's there's plenty of online resources. You don't have to use us, Google it. Most of the time, the scam that you're curious about is readily available and documented heavily online. Look up the phone number that yeah, somebody called. Yeah, especially if you type in the phone number. You'll, you'll right. hit it on Google and the first seven entries will be, is this a scam? That yeah, means yes. The thing that's messed up is the Department of Homeland Security that you know, quote unquote, called my wife last week. 
called from a DHS phone number. Oh, did they spoof the... Right. With the caller ID, Department of Homeland Security. Because you can make your caller ID look like whatever you want your caller ID to look mine like. Mine can say Batman if I want it to. My, mine can You're say... You're not supposed to let people know about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mine can say, uh, you know, the phone number for AT&T and say AT&T. Right. And, and, uh, and call you and tell you I'm calling from AT&T and it looks legit. So it doesn't matter what number called you. Um, it matters what number they say they want you to call them back on because they can't... The one, well, I mean, I guess they technically, could, but realistically, it's it's pretty much impossible for somebody to like, if you dial AT and T's actual eight hundred number, a scammer's not going to like grab that call. If they have the capability to do that, they already have you anyway. <laughs> yeah, you're they. Yeah, if they're that skilled, they don't need you to give them. Money That's the last phone. thing that they'll require. <laughs> so, um, a couple of other ones that we're going to go over um, is I, I, I want to talk when we come back from a break. Here, we're going to go on a break in a few minutes. We're going to talk about this employment scam. Um, but a couple of other uh, very popular ones. One of them we've actually these are both ones we've gone over, but they're worth revisiting because their popularity. Uh, the Google multi-factor text right. thing. Mm -hmm. Okay, there's a million ways this can happen, but let me um, let me tell you vaguely what it this the, these text messages will look like. Um, I have one. Basically, you're going to get something that says like your Google security code, your Google account code, your Google voice right. authorization code, anything that says the word Google or Google voice, it's an indication that what somebody is trying to do is take your phone number and tag on this digital phone number sure. to your actual cell phone line. Um, and it, so if somebody pulls this off, basically what they do is they then they have an, another phone number that they can make calls with. <clears throat> they can send text messages with. The reason this is a problem for you is if this individual is committing crimes in the format of scams uh, with this phone number that they've linked to your phone, you are now the one of the biggest victims of this because when... The, you look like the perpetrator because yeah. it connects back to your original phone number. When the FTC or FBI or whoever comes knocking to find out... And not calling you over trying. the phone, but yeah. sending you certified mail and showing up at your door. Or in this case, most likely showing up at your door with handcuffs. Um, they're going to arrest the person who's the likely offender, which is the person whose Google account has tied to an actual cell phone account, your AT&T account, your AT&T account, or Verizon, or T-Mobile, or whoever you use. They have your social security number. They know who you are. They have your billing address. You can't just make calls with a cell phone without federal authorities knowing who you are. So if... If somebody sends you a text or you receive a text from Google and it says, here's your code, and then anybody asks for that code, that's their attempt to scam you, to, to link a digital phone number to your phone. Well, and it's part of a larger thing that two-factor authentication is, an, is set up so that it will send a message to your phone or some other thing that ostensibly only you have access to. And as a result of that, they feel like that verifies that you're that person. A lot of those messages contain the message, don't give this to anybody, and follow that. There's never a reason to provide your two-factor authentication, number, message, whatever it is, to another party 
it's always going to be a problem. Right. Yeah. So if you, basically, if you get one of those text message, it is a good way to sum this up. If you ever get a text message with one of those codes, mm-hmm. usually it's six digits and it's numbers. Right. But sometimes it's letters. Sure. Sometimes it's a little bit longer. Maybe it's 10 characters or whatever. But if you get any of those text messages ever and you weren't expecting it, something is wrong. Right. And it could have just been somebody punched in the wrong phone number when they when they did it to try to set up an account, but that's rare. So if that ever happens, keep an eye out. That's the thing that whatever is coming next is likely to be a scam. So if you're ever unsure, you know, check with us. We're more than happy to verify the reality of the thing that you're getting. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more. I have a really big one coming up about employment scams. So we'll go over that when we're back in just a minute. Saying she a gold digger. But she ain't messing with no broke, broke. Now I ain't saying she a gold digger. Welcome back to Tech to You Tuesdays. As you can tell, our uh, little return uh, audio there is has got a theme. Uh, we got to talk about gold diggers today. Uh, but gold diggers from usually other countries and uh, uh, people who um, don't... Uh, don't do nice things. <laughs> sure. I guess like other gold diggers, I guess. Is that, is that just full? It's not the same category as like a gold digger. No, I wouldn't characterize it. No, they're not criminals. Thing. You know, they're just not not nice. That notwithstanding, <laughs> don't ship gold to strangers. Yeah, yeah, don't ship gold to strangers. That was the kind of the theme of the first segment today. Um, so uh, I, I left off talking about these uh, these really popular scams, but there's one in particular I want to go over in a little bit more detail today, and it it should not be hard for people to to recognize what's happening, but it is, I I think, I think it's probably the most terrifying scam that I've seen so far because it seems the most likely f- for a large audience. Oh to yeah fall yeah for. yeah yeah, and and I think that um, out of out of desperation, but not even just desperation. I think it's just the hyper aware like us of scams mm-hmm. are still more likely to fall for this. Particular sure. Yeah, scam. yeah. Yeah. So, um, what this is about is employment scams and, and, and to wrap it all up into a very short description, it's a fake online job posting that you either are applying for or accepting the job for, and you're providing them information. Right. That's the very short of it. And that sucks, man, because um, people that are out of jobs Mm -hmm. and looking for a job are already like some of the most hard up. Yeah, you're already down. On hard times, uh, and they need help. And instead of getting help, they're getting um, victimized and preyed on by by scammers. And the way this works is so wild. Again, I wrote this last week on like, I think Thursday or Wednesday, something like that, that I wanted to talk about this. And then over the weekend, one of my businesses was the victim of, of this, right, right. effectively. And uh, the way this works is, let's say Tech2U writes a job posting for a computer repair professional. Sure. 
we have a lot of stuff in there. We say things like, um, you know, we're looking for people that are uh, interested in computers. And, and, you know, you don't necessarily have to go to school for it. You just have to have a passion. We'll test right, you right. and see where you qualify. And then we say things like, um, you know, we put we have a lot of pride in our culture and the environment that we, we produce and, and uh, how it's very unique in the tech industry mm -hmm. for it to be a very uh, open and, and, and friendly. And like there's you guys know tech people like a lot of them don't like to talk to other people. It's probably the hardest part we have with hiring. Yeah. Is, is getting people that like to talk to other people and are friendly and sure, and sure. so anyway we put all we put a lot of effort into the wording of our ads to try to be representative of of who we are and what happens is a scammer goes to a, a job posting website mm -hmm. now chances are it's not going to be as big of a job posting website like maybe monster or indeed or or something similar um, but rather a uh, one of the many thousands of other job posting websites that are out there. Sure, like Craigslist. Yeah, which is still. I mean, it's not any more legitimate because they don't they don't really make you verify anything at all. No. Um, but uh, and Indeed hardly does too for us. But it's a little bit more on the up and up. Once once somebody claims that they're tech to you, it's difficult for somebody else to also say that they're tech to you. Right. Whereas on a on a on a site like Craigslist or or on a newspaper ad, sure. You know, uh, not not just in the newspaper, but on a newspaper website, it's really easy to just say, "Hi, this is my business, and I'm." Giving giving you the $25 or whatever for you to put this ad up mm -hmm. saying that I'd like, and there's, they don't check it at all. Not at all. Yeah. Because they're collecting their fee to post it. So they assume it's legitimate. Right. So, uh, what happens is a person goes to our indeed ad, they copy all of our wording mm -hmm. and then they post the ad on some other website about an open job with tech to you. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and what they'll typically do is also change the wage. So right. let's say the starting wage for you know a job at uh, XYZ Manufacturing is $25 an hour. Well, they had their ad copied by a scammer, and now XYZ ha Manufacturing has a job listed for $40 an hour. Sure, sure. Now, it's not out of the realm of reality, but it's way higher than the starting pay for the majority of people in that industry. So it gap captures attention right away. Right. Um, unfortunately, websites like Google crawl all of these job posting websites. Mm -hmm. So if you did something like search on Google, jobs at tech to you, Google tries to, in the best way they can, give this nice little clean, here's the current open jobs that we see at tech to you. They're, they're listed on the internet at these right, other places. Right. That makes it look really legitimate. Sure. Perfectly formatted, good spelling, shows the name of the business, everything that you would think. And they say, so, okay, I, I see that tech to you is quote unquote hiring or XYZ manufacturing or whatever it is, is hiring. And you click on the ad and it says, click here to, uh, you know, apply. So you're going to give us your information, right? So you want to apply for the job. We need your first name, your last name, you know, send us your resume, basic information. Now that, that would be a low starting point for them, like not a big scam, but they're getting information from you still. Where it gets really concerning is the follow-up. Thank you so much for applying. You seem to fit everything that we're looking for. Mm -hmm. Before we can offer you a job, we need to run a background check. Right. What do you do for a background check? You provide social security number, provide your email address, your phone number. Well, and also it's not just background checks. They'll say, they'll say you're hired. Let's get your, <sighs> let's get your hiring paperwork out of the way fill out this I-9 mm -hmm. and then send it back to us and you've got to fill that out. You put in your, which you, is, you put down your social security number. To pause you for a second, the I-9, legitimate federal document that every employer in the country is required to use yep. for any W-2 employee. Um, 
if you're working for somebody who didn't get you one, you can probably make sure that you provide that to right. them. <laughs> um, so an I-9 has what you're talking about, but what's another common thing that we do in onboarding documentation is direct deposit forms. Sure. Right? Most employers offer direct deposit now, right. and what does direct deposit forms require? A bank account and your billing information. Your routing your number. Name, your routing number. Yeah, everything that they need to pull money from your account mm -hmm. or put money in it, whatever they want, right? Like the idea is that we're putting money in it because it's an employer, but you can pull money out of these accounts just as easily. Right. If you don't have a business account with protections, it makes it very difficult to be protected against this type of scam. If somebody gathers that information, chances are they will have a successful withdrawal from your account. Um, so this is one of those ones where, again, it goes back to what I was saying before. It's preying on our emotions, which is a job. Right. I need a job. I'm going to get a job. It's going to pay a lot. I'm, These I'm people excited. want me. Right. You've, it's elicited some emotion. Like scams that don't elicit an emotion are the easiest ones to spot. Right. It, you know, the one when you're walking down the street and there's a little picture of selling a guitar, but in order to buy the guitar, you have to first send them your cryptocurrency wallet. You're like, all right, well, I wasn't that's, looking for guitars in the dumb. first place. And uh, why would I send that? Like, obviously, this looks like a scam. I'm going to rip this thing down, right? But if you're the person who's like, that's exactly the guitar I've been looking for for the last six months. Uh, this cryptocurrency thing is weird, but I really want that guitar, right? It's the person who has their emotions go in one direction or another that's more likely to fall for these scams. Or unfortunately, in many cases, it's, it's the elderly who are, or, or, or really anybody who's less uh, likely to use technology in their day-to-day -day life and understand the, that that's not how things work. It is always the case that the target demographic for scams are people who are vulnerable. They right. don't go, I mean, there every now and then you hear in the news about some scam that's targeted at super whales that have you know tens of millions of dollars and they're the ones that are susceptible to this particular thing but over 99% of the time the target is someone who is is older and unfamiliar with the technology someone who is financially uh, un who's unaware of financial systems and the way that they function, um, somebody who is in a desperate need for something. Those are the people who it's easy to rattle and get their heart rate up to have their emotions cloud their rational decisions and get them to pay with gift cards or gold or whatever it is yeah. for things that they don't need or to believe that they have uh, that they're getting an opportunity that they're really not. So I want to cap this this segment about scams off with um, things you can do to protect yourself, right? So um, one of the things that you can do is if you search your first and last name and you're along with your address on Google or mm -hmm. along with your cell phone number or your email address and results appear, that is concerning because that means that you're very low-hanging fruit for... Um, scam artists to find your information to, to begin a scam with you. So for example, if you Google, you know, Ian reader and you have my cell phone number, I'm I've had, it's been a couple months, I think since I've done this last, but no results come up with my phone number. Um, either of them. I use a Google voice number. I've talked about this in prior shows about why that's very beneficial to have a Google voice number and, and uh, using it for filtering certain calls to that account. Uh, you can go back to our podcast if you're interested in hearing about that. We have that one titled. Um, and so um, if you search my address, though, you know, Ian Reader and then the name of my street, 
there's a couple of things come up and, and usually what I do is when I, I find those websites, there's a thing where you can request to have your information removed. Mm -hmm. And I usually will spend maybe once every couple months, I'll do another Google and I'll spend the 15, 20 minutes it takes to like request my information be removed. There's services that do this for you too that you could pay for. So that's kind of one of the first steps is just like make your information slightly more difficult to obtain. Sure. Um, the next thing is, uh, you can be a hermit like me and never answer your phone. You know, that's kind of helpful. Uh, I'm far less likely to be scammed by a caller because I don't answer my phone in the first place. Like if I don't have you in my, in my, in my, uh, uh, contact list, chances are I'm not answering my phone. Um, another thing that you can do is just protecting your accounts. Now we talked about this, uh, at length last week about the mother of all breaches mm -hmm. and how this literally billions of accounts have been leaked onto the internet, usernames and passwords. And the concern there, just to recap it very shortly, is if your username and password is used on any of these websites that got leaked, even if it's 10 year old data, but you use that same username and password combination at any other site, well, that means that you're vulnerable, right? So the first thing you can do is just change your passwords. Well, and we talked also about how like you get these messages with this vague information so that you fill in the rest with your brain. But if they have specific details about you, they want to inject those specific details into their messaging to you to make it seem really legitimate. Right. And if they have your old, if they have your email address and they're able to email you and say, "Hey, I know that this is your password," then then like that's going to set off a lot of red flags. That's going to make you nervous. Or if, like. Yeah, like it, if they have access to your email, um, hey, you placed this order with Amazon last week for these shoe inserts, which right. you did. There's a problem with it. Give us a call so we can straighten it out. Right, right. Now, wow, how legitimate does that appear? They know about the actual order and what you paid and what card you paid with, right? So it's the, those kinds of things. <clears throat> um, the other thing I would say is when it comes to, again, changing passwords, I, 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 can't, I can't stress this enough. Every password needs to be different. Right. It's the way password stuffing accounts or password stuffing happens, and without going into all the details about that, it's the way people get access to multiple accounts. It's how the 23andMe breach happened recently uh, with all the genetic data that got leaked. It's because of password stuffing and using the same password over and over again. So I got this email uh, from, from Mark uh, last week. He said, uh, hello, if I have LastPass, do I still need to use two-factor? for my accounts. Thanks for your help. So I'm going to assume that Mark is using different passwords for his different accounts. Because LastPass would harass him if he wasn't. Right. It tells you you should use different passwords, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're completely safe. So whenever you can use two-factor, you should. Right. So um, that's the best way I can recap this segment is, is get your information offline if, when you can. Don't answer spam calls and texts. And make sure you're using unique passwords for all of the various things you're doing online. Uh, we'll be right back. We've got a couple more things in the news that we want to go over. Um, probably no more scam stuff, but I got a little bit more entertainment, I guess I should say. We'll be right back. Welcome, welcome back to Tech to You Tuesdays. So uh, we've been talking about. Uh, oh wait, that was uh, Alien Ant Farms, uh, Smooth Criminal. That, that's correct. Because we're talking about criminals. Yes. So, uh, yep. so I, you know, I'm trying to keep with the theme. I don't feel like listeners would have been able to piece that together without you pointing <laughs> it out to them. I was just so proud of it. I don't get to do these, you know. So it's fun. That's a new, you know, if you're new to listening to Tech to You Tuesdays because we're on the radio now, um, it's kind of fun for me to put together these little things. It's it's one of those things that like on Rad Radio. 
that you don't really think about it. Sometimes it's a song you're really into, but like you know, Kyle and Brandon, these guys got to got to put that together. They have to sure, yeah, no, it's a conscious yeah, choice. It's, it's like, oh, yeah, it's like, oh, what song am I going to use? There and was there of, was an artist involved. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, to uh, a little transition from our last topic, we were talking about. Uh, scams. And um, this is, I'll, I'll loop it back into scams, but this is a very interesting thing I just want to touch on quickly. Uh, it, there was a recent article that came out that um, said that, first off, there's there's over 10 million people in the United States currently using ChatGPT, the, the AI tool which you can talk to. It's a language learning model, which mm-hmm. means it can speak in plain English and you can have conversations with it. 13% of the people using this product and similar products mm-hmm. are using them exclusively for having a friend. For having a conversation, right? How does that make you feel? I mean, like I get it, and I mean, because I don't I get it too. Because when I talk to it, and when I talk to it, I want it to talk back. To, I want I want to have a discourse with it, even if I'm asking it for something with utility. Yeah, I still want like I imbue it with personhood. It talks to me like a person, so I treat it like a person. And so I want to have a conversation back and forth with it. It makes total sense to me that other people are seeking it, are using it to to just relate to something, to yeah, someone. Have and, someone to talk to. And there's definitely a bunch of spin-offs of that technology that are incorporating that with imagery and mm-hmm. things like that specifically to be like, hey, here's a person to be your friend or right. your girlfriend, girlfriend or your boyfriend um, or, your, and, or your they friend or whatever it is. Yes. And uh, <laughs> is the word. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, I don't know. I don't know. And uh, so, yeah, it makes sense to me that that happens. And it's also, you know, people play video games for uh, people. There are certain kinds of video games that are designed to fill that same emotional connection. And it makes absolute sense to me right. that that people are using this technology. It, Those things are going to continue to hybridize. It almost seems like thirteen percent could even be like a low number. Oh, absolutely. So um, the reason why I wanted to bring it up was thirteen percent is you know it's thirteen percent. It's not the biggest number, but it's it it is a large number when you consider that ten million people are using it's just ChatGPT. It's a big number of people that are using this to have conversations to to feel a, a, a connection of some kind. And if they are great. I think that the uh, mental health benefits, um, I don't know that they necessarily outweigh the downsides. I'm not going to pretend to know enough about that, but right. I think that there are benefits and I think that it can be helpful for some. And I think that that's a good thing and it's exciting and I, and I, hope, it, I hope it is mostly positive. Uh, my, my assumption is that it is, but I won't pretend to know. Um, my, thing- oh, sorry. I was just going to say my fear is that there are... Um, we know that we know that human beings require interaction with other human beings in order to uh, have a have a lot of the things that psychiatrists and sociologists believe are uh, are important for happiness right. and things like that and also for m- mental health just like not going insane right. and um and there are a lot of folks who are uh, who are closed off, who don't go mm-hmm. out. Like in, in Japan, they've got a word for it. The hikikomori is a, a word to describe people that don't leave their house. Mm-hmm. They stay in their room and they have no contact with the outside world. And uh, it's not that I don't want those people to have virtual friends to speak with, but um, if you're able to satisfy 
the most basic need that you have for human contact with a virtual entity, then that takes away that drive to go outside. Sure. And then especially that being synthesized with VR, mm -hmm. I just think that I, I have a big concern that there's just a lot of people we're just going to lose. Right. Yeah. God. Okay. So you hit the nail on the head. Um, so with the scam thing, the tie-in is not every website has this attempted neutral standpoint of communication where right. they can just be your friend. Some of them will have malicious intent. Absolutely. They might try to persuade you to vote a different way or like a different thing or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. You could be getting manipulated depending mm -hmm. on where you're getting this information from. AI tools are um, powerful now and they're going to become significantly more powerful and much more easy to manipulate people as they become more intelligent. So be careful of that. You mentioned the VR thing, and that's a, that's a great segue to the last thing I actually wanted to talk about today, and it's a good tie-in um, for being convinced in the virtual world that you're in the real world. Well, uh, I didn't have a plan initially to talk about the Apple Vision Pro mm -hmm. um, for two reasons. One, I just didn't think it was big enough. You know, sure. it, it's an Apple product, but number two, uh, I know how much hate I already get for being <laughs> an Apple fanboy in this company. So I was like, yeah, hey, I'll leave the Apple Vision Pro alone. And then that way people here don't make fun of me about it. But I am forced. That wasn't going to stop. I am forced uh, to discuss it because it was like the of the trending videos over the weekend, it made up like five of the top 10 trending videos were reviews on this product. It's been on CNN. It's it's making headlines. Um, there was a video of, of some guy driving his Tesla while wearing the Apple Vision Pro. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, so... The thing is, like, we've already seen people do really stupid stuff in public. Um, and, and it, you know, I think, you know, it's a matter of opinion uh, as to whether or not somebody looks dumb while sitting on a park bench with a VR thing on their I head. think it's objectively the case that people look dumb. I think generally <laughs> most of us would agree that you looked up, but I don't want to I don't want to shame the person who's like, this is what I'm into, you know. So um, the Apple Vision Pro, for those that don't know, uh, it is a new product that Apple released. It is a um, it is technically a virtual reality headset you put mm -hmm. it on it goes over your eyes there's a screen that both of your eyes look into but the thing that it does which i have not experienced this yet myself i'm eager to see it and try it mm -hmm. um but from reviewers that i trust and understand their perception of technology uh the pass-through which is taking video of all of the things in front of me, of, mm -hmm. of you and showing them to you in the video is unprecedented accuracy, color, believability in general. If you're sitting on the park bench and you're and you're wearing this head headset, the thing that you see is the same thing you would see if you weren't wearing it. It's got a little bit of tunnel vision in the sense that you don't have the same field of view, you don't have all your periphery, but you do have a great clear visual of everything happening around you in real time. It's 12 milliseconds at most delayed from the time the light hits the front to the time the light hits your eyeballs. Right. So but, you could still be walking around and conducting your business. You can play ping pong. You've got a weird thing on your face, but I mean, you, you can you, totally function. You could play a sport. I mean, that doesn't damage that, but I mean, it, most things that require accurate hand-eye coordination can still be accomplished. Mm -hmm. Walking in the park, absolutely no problem whatsoever. Walking up the stairs, for the most part, no problem other than you might need to look down a little bit more to see them it is an incredible piece of technology and I, I i want to just quickly for anybody who is interested give my opinion of it it's 3500 bucks 
and I'm not going to be buying it. Right. It, because it's $3,500. If it was 500 or even 1000 maybe $1,500. you are definitely going to be buying it. Not yet, okay. Um, I, uh, I, w- I would consider it. You know, 500 bucks, no question. $1,000, probably 1500 bucks, most likely. 2000 gets into that realm of, well, my MacBook Pro, which I can edit videos on faster than the PC in my office. Right. That was $2,000. Mm-hmm. Exceeding the value of a high-performance mobile laptop that can do far less is not a great value proposition to me. Sure. And, and I'm, I'm trying to look at it from that perspective. But let's go back to the very first iPhone that came out. It was the first, you know, call it, uh, I think they call it like candy bar style phone shape or whatever. Like, right, right. right. Uh, with a beautiful screen that was high resolution with great colors. It responded immediately. Mm-hmm. I bought it the week it came out. It was in, I was in college when it came out. I bought it that week. I returned it two days later. It couldn't do anything. I couldn't change my background. I couldn't copy and paste text. I couldn't install applications on it. It was a beautiful, useless device. Right. Other than making calls and bra- it was good at browsing the web. That was cool. But that was it. So that's kind of how I feel about this. But look what the iPhone evolved into. Sure. The iPhone I mean, currently, as of today, has the highest market share of any mobile device in, in the United States. I believe as of like a week or a few weeks ago, it took up 29% market share, and Samsung, which is in second place, is about 24%. Well, and all smartphones are based on what the original iPhone was doing. They, they, they came up with a design that was innovative, that didn't make sense right away, but it was impressive. It, we knew that it was impressive. We just didn't know quite what to do with it yet. Sure, but the, those the, things are going to iterate. Right, and the App Store, I think, is really what made the iPhone what it is. When we look back at the iPhone 1, it's still the same thing. It's a big screen, um, sans the home button that used to be there, and it's the same shape, and it's got a camera on it. that was Even in its day, it was a, an amazing quality camera. I think it was like 3 megapixels or whatever it was. Um, Conceptually, it's still the same device. It's got some cooler hardware. It's got some nice features, but really it's the exact same candy bar shape phone, but it's got apps on it that make it invaluable. It's where we conduct business. It's how we connect to our friends with social media. It's how circles works. It's, you know, it, 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 it's everything that we use. It's where we store our passwords and, and our emails. It's where we send text messages. It is an extension of us at this point. We're, we're damn near hybrids. You know, as as this device is so connected to so many of us. Well, and this thing that we're this thing that you can wear on your face is going to get smaller. It's going to get faster. Mm-hmm. It's going to get cheaper, and consequently, it's going to become way more ubiquitous with a lot more utility. And most importantly, if you're an Apple user, which a lot of people are, um, it is in their walled garden, and that's a big deal. Their walled garden didn't have as much value in two thousand six or seven or whenever that first iPhone came out. And again, that's that's the protection of your security. It's your security. It's the storage of your photos. It's your iMessages. It's your storage of your files. It's all of the things that Apple does for you to make your life easy. And the Vision Pro does those things now. Um, it just doesn't have the apps for it yet. So I, I, I just wanted to kind of share my opinion of it. I think that if I were to put it in a nutshell, it's basically... It is an incredible piece of technology, without a doubt. Um, it it looks stupid right now, but I think that their first iteration is is undoubtedly going to be the worst one that they ever make. Um, but it will be probably one of the biggest shifts 
in how we use consumer technology over the next 10 years. And I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, and I can't wait to have Rob in his, all of his generosity buy me <laughs> an Apple Vision Pro headset for only 3500 bucks, so I could do a review um, uh, on Tech to You Tuesdays so that all you nice people... So no no pressure, Rob, but you know, if, if, if all you guys happen to email and say, hey, Rob, buy Ian that Apple Vision Pro so he could do the review, like, wouldn't hurt me my feelings at all. And I'll end it off with uh, rad at radradio.com. Apple Vision Pro is available at apple.com. Go ahead and send him the link. And in the meantime, we will have a, a great week and we will see you all next, next Tuesday. Next Tuesday. This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye. I'll be back. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. Goodbye.